I'm Danine Erasmus. Welcome to another episode of The Weekly Wrap. This is a podcast in which we will tell you about some of the top articles from the latest edition of Farmers Weekly magazine. And we also take a look at some of the biggest agricultural news stories of the week. New on shelf this week is our 16 April issue. This week's magazine includes features about one of South Africa's top goat cheese producers, as well as the need for new water governance structures to stop the rapid decline of water provision and infrastructure in the country. Readers can also learn about exotic, multicolored Persian sheep, which are adding a welcome additional income stream for Northern Cape small stock farmers. We take a look at the latest local research on how changes in the weather can affect lucerne quality and production. And we, we visit one of the largest sugarcane farmers in Africa to find out more about their new plans for crop rotation. In our livestock feature this week, you can meet Kuni Kotze, a sheep and goat breeder from the Northern Cape. Kotze has started breeding multicolored, or as they are better known, painted Persian sheep. He has succeeded in breeding through careful selection, red speckled and black speckled sheep, two types of tri-colored sheep, as well as blue, pink and white speckled Persians. The tri-colored combinations consist of black, brown and white sheep, as well as blue, pink and white. All the colors are sought after by buyers in the Middle East, where the animals are kept as a pastime, says Kutso. These painted Persians can achieve prices of up to 160,000 rand per sheep or even more, although the multicolored Persians are not recognized as a separate breed by the Blackhead Persian Sheep Breeder Society of South Africa. All animals earmarked for export must adhere to the breed standards as determined by the society. Kotze has so far succeeded in breeding tri-colored sheep, but he has now set himself the task of breeding sheep with four colors. He also says that the painted Persians added precious additional value to his business, especially in light of the fact that he has been subject to a 12-year-long drought. In our main crop feature this week, Dreyer Sienekal, the co-director of Sienekal Family Boerderij in Northern KZN, tells us about how he is experimenting with strategic crop rotations to rectify soils that have become degraded after many years of monocropping with sugarcane. The farm's historic records show that yields of up to 170 tons per hectare are achievable on soils that are newly planted to sugarcane. In contrast, yields from fields that have been monocropped with sugarcane for as long as 30 years, have declined to about 110 tons per hectare. About five years ago, Sienekal began researching potential ways to try to sustainably rejuvenate the soils, which led to experimentation with crop rotation. After good initial results, he started growing cotton as a rotation on most of the sugarcane fields that were being plowed out. And about two years after he began experimenting with cotton, ongoing research suggested that the cotton crop should immediately be followed with a crop of red speckled sugar beans. Senecal explains that bean plants are legumes, so there is symbiotic rhizobium bacteria fix atmospheric nitrogen in the soil, thereby reducing applied inorganic nitrogen requirements. And their fibrous root system helps to loosen and aerate the soil, 
He says that over and above the benefits that this new approach offers in terms of improvements in soil health, the cotton and sugar bean crops are also collectively generating a substantial cash income for the farm. Now let's look at our technical feature for the week. There is still limited research available on the influences of weather on Lucerne in South Africa. But recent research by Lucerne specialist Dr. Harry Skoltz, as well as agricultural economist Walter van Niekerk, offers some insight on the matter. They write that the extent of the reduction in yield and quality of Lucerne hay depends on heat, irrigation, cutting schedule, harvest management, and weather patterns. Of these, harvest management has by far the greatest impact on forage quality, and this is under direct control of the grower. However, environmental factors also play a role. The smallest amount of untimely rain can postpone the harvest process, causing rapidly maturing lucerne to decline in quality very fast. Rain just before cutting slows down drying after cutting because the soil remains moist despite sunshine and low humidity. However, rain pre-harvesting is just the tip of the iceberg. Even larger difficulties will occur when it rains post-cutting. Rainfall that occurs at this time, during the lucerne drying process, can reduce the number of leaves retained from 62% to 38%. When looking at the influence of heat on the lucerne plant, it is important to note that lucerne that is grown in high heat produces high protein content, which is good. However, when taking into account that this lucerne also has a high fiber content, it becomes irrelevant because at high temperatures, the rate of decline in digestibility with time is faster than when temperatures are low. Another problem is high nighttime temperatures. This causes respiration during the night and thus a decline in valuable nutrients. And the plant is unable to store root carbohydrates under short, under short cutting schedules. The ideal temperature for lucerne growth is between 22 degrees Celsius and 24 degrees. Let's now quickly take a look at some of the top agricultural news from the last week. Macadamia farmers will likely receive lower prices this year, with an expected 5 to 10% reduction in prices across the board for all nut classes. The approximate average price across kernel grains is forecast at 260 rand per kilogram. Alex White, the sales manager for Green and Gold Macadamias, said that since the rand was stronger this year than last, and a reduction in the US dollar price due to COVID-19 was expected, macadamia farmers could see prices softening. However, he said, farmers will still get an excellent return on, invest on investment, while a slightly softer price does help in launching more macadamia products which is very important for the long-term sustainability of this industry. Charles Cormack, the general manager for Marquee Marketing in Australia, added that the macadamia industry now has an opportunity to develop new markets, for example, India, Indonesia, countries in Eastern Europe, as well as Russia. Apple and pear farmers are expecting a record export harvest of these crops this year. This was despite hail damage in the lung kloof earlier this year and isolated wind damage 
that occurred in Algen, Grabo, Feliestorp, and Feyerboom. According to the deciduous fruit body Hortgrow, this year 4% more apples are expected to be harvested, while the pear harvest is expected to rise by 6% compared to the 2020 season. Jacques Dupria, Hortgrow's general manager for trade and markets, said that the volumes and quality of the apples heading to the markets were driven by favorable weather conditions. He emphasized that COVID-19 still remains a challenge on both the production and marketing side, but he said the demand for fruit from consumers in the various export markets is still good despite lockdown regulations in some countries. Shipping, however, remains a major challenge, especially the routes to the Middle and Far East. Dupria said, said that the shortage of containers is a global problem due to the high demand for dry goods that are mainly driven by online purchases. This has caused shipping costs for the goods to skyrocket and thus compete with refrigerated containers for space on ships. Despite lots of talk about the subject, it seems that farmers are still a far way off from capitalizing on carbon credits. Carbon tax has brought opportunities for environmentally friendly operations to earn additional income through the generation of carbon credits. Under South African carbon tax regulations, companies are able to use carbon credits either from their own registered projects or from third parties to offset a portion of their carbon tax liability. This creates opportunities to develop carbon projects, resulting in benefits on both the buy side and the sell side. However, complicated and expensive registration processes are hindering farmers from being able to benefit from green activities on farms. Speaking at a webinar on carbon credits, Janine De Witt, South Africa Country Manager at WEACT, noted that registering to sell carbon credits was a very specialized field and the process to develop such a project often required that experts be flown in from abroad. Devet said that the big issue facing farmers was the cost of setting up such a project and whether the payment for credits generated or money saved from having to pay carbon tax would be worthwhile. At a cost of around 120 rand per carbon credit, farmers would need to do their own projections to see if registering such a project would be worthwhile. The global market for carbon credits is currently valued at about $45 million, or roughly 670 million rand. That was it for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weekly Wrap. Join us again next week when one of my colleagues will discuss some of the features from the 23 April issue, in which we learn from two farmers in northern KwaZulu-Natal about what goes into establishing a new banana plantation. We also have features on how to take your farm partially off-grid with affordable solar energy solutions. And we visit a community game farm to find out how the business is being run to be both environmentally and financially sustainable. Finally, you can look forward to reading about a Boer goat farmer who mentors more than 150 new farmers to become commercial and stud Boer goat breeders. Remember to follow us on social media for all the latest farming news updates. We are on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn at Farmers Weekly SA. Until next week, stay safe and happy farming.